Now, to remind you that, you know, Paul didn't write chapters. We, we made them chapters later on. But the 12th, 13th, and 14th chapter is a unit. The problem is in the 14th chapter where we're going to get to those people who think that speaking in tongues and those related gifts, those supernatural kind of miraculous gifts, somehow make them superior to, to the other believers. It, it caused a great division in the church. I, from, from my study, I'm, I'm fairly well convinced that the, the basic split and the basic problem at Corinth all the lack of unity really centered around this group. That they're the ones who really were splitting apart and causing that church to go into factions. Um, in the 15th chapter, we deal with the great theological issue of the resurrection, which was a huge concern. But that really wasn't what was pulling this church apart. It was over this, the giftedness. And so what we have is we have Paul bringing together an understanding. And last week we saw Paul talk about some of the gifts and I talked to you about how do you, you know, giftedness and those things. And, and so today what really Paul's going to stress in this part of chapter 12 is the essence of unity and the importance of everyone being a part of the whole. <clears throat> Verse 14 says, for the body is not one member, but many. The word body, soma, speaks of the physical body. So Paul's going to use an analogy of the physical body. Now, there are numerous ways in the New Testament that the Christian community, the church, is referred to. Body is one. Uh, it's one of the primary ones. Uh, I think another major way is community. The word church in itself signifies community. The called out ones, ecclesia. Sometimes they're called the fellowship. Um, it's the idea of family is not really used that much. It's a, there a little bit. Uh, people assume because they're brothers and sisters in Christ, it's the idea of family. But that's more the, really the idea of brotherhood, a shared commonality. Um, I've, I've always thought that the best way to express what a church is, it is a community of believers that come together. And uh, the analogy of the body helps drive home that the importance of the community of believers is the wholeness or the sum of all the parts or, or the whole is greater than just simply the sum of all the parts. All that the people who come into our church and contact with us bring is important, but it's all of it together working in unison. It's what really becomes important. And Paul says then, if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Now, it, he's using the concept here of something thinking it is inferior. You know, obviously this analogy has, always has some flaws, but it's, and it, it's actually almost a little bit comical because the foot can't say anything. <laughs> it's the foot. But the concept is, if the foot thinks it's inferior, it doesn't mean it's less part of the body. If an ear says, I'm not an eye. I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Now, I'll stop right there. So, the analogy simply is, you need all the body parts. You know, some of them don't seem that important. And, and I know that. I remember uh, when I was... Uh, 
And I was playing football a long time ago, but I had a tendency to, uh, to rip my nails a lot. We blocked against mesh jerseys, and if you ever blocked against a mesh jersey, obviously I held a lot. That was part of the problem, but that's okay. <laughs> I was pretty good at it, and I never hardly got called for it either, so there's some mastery of that. But those mesh nylon jerseys would just rip your fingernails off and rip them down. And then few things hurt like a rip nail. I mean, man, it hurt. I mean, it was just like, ah, you, you know. That doesn't seem all that important until you rip the nail. And then it hurts. Any part of your body that hurts at that moment, you're like, man, you know, I, I, you suffer a little bit. And you realize it's all important. You want all of it. Um, you know, people dealing with allergies all the time now. And I've been dealing with them for, seems like, since November or December or something like that. You know, after a while, you're just like, Lord, could you give me something else to be wrong besides this? Heal up the allergy. Let's go. Let's go with the rip nail. I mean, I'm like, right now, I take the rip nail over the allergies. I'm ready for that. You know, so you, you, you deal with these things. Um, just about the time, you know, my throat gets better. I start coughing all the time now. I'm like, come on, seriously. You know, and you realize everything works together. He says, God put everything together just as it is needed. Your body is always put together just the way God desired physically. Some things make no sense. I mean, you know, you've got certain things you wonder if you can take your appendix out, why do you need an appendix? But, you know, God created everything just the way he wanted it. In just a minute, I'm going to come to the church to live with that. So we understand these things. <clears throat> Verse 19 says, if we were all one member, where would the body be? But thou there are many members, but there's one body. So then the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I, not, I don't have need to you. Something can't be superior. So he deals with inferiority and superiority. So let's move away from the body just for a moment. And then let's look at the church as a whole, which is what this is about. The problem they were dealing with was that the people who spoke in tongues, as we'll see in chapter 14, thought they were more important than the other gifted members of the church. And because of that, that caused resentment. Now, we're going to see in a few weeks in chapter 14, Paul basically says, look, just speaking in tongues doesn't grow the church. And so it ain't that important despite what they thought. And I'll deal with that then. So he, he's really trying to, to set all these arguments up. But in the life of the church, I think it's easy for some people to think they're more important than other people. And that, 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 sense, that sense of superiority is always difficult. Let I, I, me tell you the number one way that I've dealt with this in church life. You want to know what it is? The people who think they're the most important? Money. They give money. People who give the most, they'll tell you. In both Laredo and Bridgeport, I had the biggest givers in our church walk away. One of them, they were really upset with me. And at the end of our conversation, <laughs> what he basically said was, if you don't do this one thing, I'm leaving. And my comment was, we'll miss you. Well, we'll be okay. And for about four months, it hurt financially. You know what God did? He replaced him with a bunch of more people who gave the equivalent of what he gave. You know, him leaving actually probably helped us. 
And same thing in Bridgeport. I lost my, I lost my number two giver, actually. Uh, sometimes number one, sometimes number two. And I know this because they tell me. That's how I know. Look how much money I gave. And, um, but we, we, we heard us for about a year, and all of a sudden we were fine. There is nobody so important that when they leave, <clears throat> the church can't survive, including pastors. Some of you have been here a long time, right? If you've been here over 30 years, just lift your hand up. Some of you. Y'all have had more than one pastor in that period of time, am I correct? Yeah, okay. You survived, haven't you? And when my time comes, you'll survive. You know, it, it, no one is so important that the church can't survive without them. But no one is so unimportant that the church doesn't desperately need them to serve. Everybody matters in the church. I've told you this so many times. On Sunday mornings, what happens in the children in preschool has far greater impact on whether someone comes back than my preaching. It just does. And, and, and that's the reality. So every part of the church is important. All of the gifts matter. And we're going to see that in more in just a minute when he starts talking about the gifts. Now, <clears throat> so setting this up, it's just like, I have a friend you went to school with who lost his arm, cancer, they had to cut his arm off. And it, it you know, it's, it's not good. It's, you know, he, likes to have, he likes to have his arm, but he's going to survive it. Better, better he lose his arm than other, you know, can't, can't lose other. Can't lose the heart. I got that, you know. But, you know, he, he manages. So, yeah, it, it, it's difficult when, when some parts of your body don't function. It, it runs more smoothly when it's all together. And the church is the same way. We really need everyone to do what they did. Now, in a minute, I'm going to talk more about the gifts. And I know people, I, I think what happens is we have so conditioned people to think that they've got to figure out exactly what it is they do and are good at. And if they don't exactly do what the church, what God gifted them to do, they're of no value to the church. That we have lost sight that it's okay for it to be a process to figure out what you do well. It just does. It's okay. I remember uh, watching WKRP in Cincinnati. Did you ever watch that? It's great. That was a funny show back in the 70s. And Les Nesman was the sportscaster. He was the the antithesis of the sportscaster. And so they were doing news in sports. And so they were going to play a softball game. He thought, because he was the sports guy, he ought to take a prominent role. And they tried him in every position. And finally, when he failed at all of them, they put him out at right field. Because that was where he'd do the least amount of damage. And then somebody hit a ball out there, and he caught it, and they won the game. You know, it's just kind of that way with the churches. It's okay for us to keep figuring out where to put somebody. Because eventually, we're going to find their sweet spot. And when we find their sweet spot, that's really cool. And a lot of people, their sweet spot is working out in the community. That's important. Not all the gifts that we have is just right here. Some of our most gifted people are out in the community on behalf of Christ, touching lives that way. So the issue is find that spot where you serve. And you're important. Now, notice what he says. <clears throat> Verse 22. 
On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. <coughs> Excuse me. And our less presentable members become more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members may have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, the giving more abundant honor to the member which was lacking. Now, in the analogy, yeah, so this is, a, I wish Paul had wrote this part. But what he's basically saying is certain parts of the body we cover up because they're not presentable. And, and, and by doing that, we give those that seem less presentable more honor. And some of the things which we give the most honor, we don't ever cover up. So they become more common. What, what he's really saying in, in the analogy is this. There are some people in the church that may seem unimportant, not have much to offer, but those are some of the most important people. So let me give you this, let me give you this illustration. Sometimes people come to our church that are really hurting. And uh, maybe we have people come to our church that are special needs. Or people that come to our church that on the surface, they don't offer anything tangible to our church. But our church ministers to them. It loves them. It helps them. And in doing that, they provide a couple of really important things. For one, they provide a ministry opportunity for the members of our church to serve, to help them, to touch that life. They give people an opportunity to minister. Secondly, they provide an opportunity for the world at large to look and see that our church cares about them. In other words, it becomes obvious that we care about more than just ourselves. James, uh, I'm doing a lot of study on James because I'm going to go through James when we do a deep fry in July. James says, you focus so much on the rich, you are persecuting and you're neglecting the needy, the poor, the hurting. It's the poor and the hurting you need to focus on. They provide the opportunity for ministry. Paul is saying is in our church, we're going to have a lot of opportunities in time to minister to lots of different types of people. They provide a valuable, a valuable part of our church life. They give people opportunities to minister. And they open up avenues for greater ministry to other people. We should never look at any point as if someone is not important to the overall life of our church. Having gifts that are more out there and more visible is important. But so are the quiet behind the scenes opportunities. We have many people in our church who touch the lives of people that I don't ever know about. And they richly add value to our church because other people come here through what they did. And I don't even know about it, which is okay. That's a good thing. That's the church functioning as the church. Now, we go on. 
so that there may be no division in the body, that members have care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. And if one is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So we, when someone has a great thing happen in their life, do you rejoice? You know, or do you get jealous? Oh man, I can't believe that guy. I'm better at this than he is. Why does he get honored? And when someone suffers, do you say, well, she had that coming. Or do you hurt with them? That's what the church does. We, you know, the phrase today, we use it, this is a kind of a cliche, but we kind of do life together. That's important. That's why your small groups, whether it be a connect group or a Sunday school class, or a Sunday school class that doesn't meet on Sunday, that's why you're important. Because you help with the suffering and rejoicing. In fact, in a church our size, those small groups function as many churches where the people in that group use their gifts to help the members of that group. My connect group. Um, we have some people who have some gifts of like, of helping and encouraging, uh, maybe some hospitality. Our small group allows them to use their gifts. Some small groups, you have someone who's a pretty good teacher. And while they're not going to stand up here and teach, it gives them an opportunity to teach. <coughs> some of you have people in your group, it gives them an opportunity to minister to others in their group. All of our small groups provide opportunities to use gifts. That's the importance of all the things that we do. So, Paul then comes to the heart of it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. So, if Paul says they're all important, and one's not more important than the other. And what does he say? First of all, there are apostles, <laughs> second prophets, third teachers. So, this is interesting. <clears throat> is Paul saying these are the most important, first, second, third, and then the rest are not as important? Or is he saying that there is some sense of priority in these positions which includes these gifts. So let me just kind of use this analogy if I may and then I'll get to the point and I'll use a football analogy which I'm good at. This past Sunday there was a Super Bowl and those two teams that were there both had really good quarterbacks. You don't go to the Super Bowl without a good quarterback, just period. Denver, I know you love Denver, good team, you ain't going to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Um, Dallas has a good quarterback. We have our other problems to go in the Super Bowl. Mainly the officials are obviously rigged against us every single game. The officials just cost us dearly. It's a conspiracy. But you've got to have a good quarterback. And then you're watching in that game, and I'm watching Cincinnati. You don't even mean to watch the game. Cincinnati, trails at halftime, comes out. Joe Burrow, man, hits this big bomb uh, on a big play, a little, little penalty to get called, but still scores. Then, you know, Stafford throws an interception. It looks like Cincinnati can really put this thing away. They get up. They're up by 10. They have every opportunity. And if something happens, crazy. In the second half, after the Cincinnati goes up, their offensive line starts just falling apart. And they give up six sacks in the second half. And they blow this chance to lead. Doesn't matter how good their quarterback is. Their line didn't do their job. Even at the end of the game, when they still had a chance to win, they failed. You see, no matter how important the quarterback is, everybody has to do their job. It's that way in a church. We, listen, this is churches, the first position you, you think of in a church, you're going to call a pastor. We are. You got to. 
I don't know of any churches that don't have a pastor. If they do, they don't, they don't do any, they don't grow, they're not going to do anything. Not in America. So, obviously, you've got to have a pastor. And you probably want your pastor, if he does one thing well, you probably want him to preach. I tell churches who consult me sometimes about finding pastors, get a guy who can preach. Well, you know, we want a guy who will love the people. Anybody can love your people. We want a guy who will visit. I mean, you got deacons and you got church members you can visit. We need good finances. Yeah, he needs to be good with money. You got people that can help him. But you know what you don't have? Someone who can preach. That's the one thing. But it doesn't do any good if there are no other gifted people. They're all important. All of them. So what Paul is saying is not that the apostle, the pastor, is more important than everybody else. He already said they're not. It's just that position has to be there. You start with these positions. Now, apostle doesn't exist anymore. The apostle were those guys, the 12 minus Judas plus Matthias, then James, Barnabas, Paul, probably two or three others, that you had a unique position in the life of the church that were sent by God, they're done. That position doesn't exist. Despite the fact that I took two uh, gift tests last week that said I have the gift of apostleship, they didn't go to my head. Don't worry, I didn't get big-headed about that. I got big-headed about other things, but not about that. But the, the, the ministry of apostleship is carried out by the scriptures of the New Testament. So the apostolic authority, remember in the early church they didn't have a New Testament. The apostles were the authority, the apostolic authority is in the New Testament. So that starts with, with the gift of prophecy. Now there's a lot of people that think prophecy is foretelling the future. I've said before, say it again, it's not. It's foretelling the mind of God. It is the preaching. Now, you can, I, can, I read commentaries all the time on these things. They all have their nuanced understandings. I get it. In the end of the day, it's what I do. So what he's saying is, in a church, once you have the apostolic authority established, you've got to have someone who preaches and someone who teaches. In other words, you've got to take the apostolic message. We've got to take the New Testament. And we have to be sure that it is taught and preached. So the first things you look for in a church are people to preach and teach. Everything is of vital importance, but you've got to start looking somewhere. And that's what you do. Not every church is going to have all the same needs. You know, the church in town that runs 50 isn't going to have the same needs that we have in a church of our size. Except pastor. You, you, you're going to have to have that. And teachers. You, you, you start there. And we would probably add some music folks. Not everyone's going to. And not, listen, we got the, the two best in town. Um, they're not in the room right now. I don't know where they're at. But let's get. We got Mike. And we got Mike and Brian. You know. You got to have us. And I understand that. You know, inherited Mike, praise God. And when I had to go find someone, that Brian, I, I looked all over the country. And it turns out he was just down the road. Would have saved me a lot of money if somebody would have told me, yeah, you're over there. I told you, I got you told me. It would have saved me a lot of money if someone told me ahead of time. But anyways. But every church is different. Now, we, we are so in need of people who have the ability to, to connect with guests and make them feel a part of things. 
you know, to, 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 when all these folks come that we don't know, that make them feel at home and feel welcome. That's a huge need for us. A church that doesn't have any guests don't need that. We do. We need friendly people. We need people who have the gift of helping other people. There's so many things. We need people to work with children. It's a gift to work with children. I mean, honestly, some of you know you can't do it. You're right. You can't. Yeah, but, but teaching kids, man, that's a huge gift. We crave that. We need lots of them. So when he talks about second prophets, third teachers, it's not they're more important, but the church and they're prioritizing. It's where you begin. Then he says, the other things. He talks, then he says, all right, the people who do miracles. We don't have anybody that do miracles. We don't want anybody that's miracles. That's not part of our... First Baptist Church or Las Cruces. We don't need anybody with the gift of miracles, the gift of tongues, or the gift of interpretation. We don't, we don't need that. We're covered. If that's your gift and you want to use it in the church, there are other churches who crave those gifts. We have just decided in our world that that's not necessary. Now, if God sends us someone who has those, you may say, what are you going to do? I don't know. I hadn't thought that far in advance. But here's the other gifts. Helps, administrations, those are important. We want that. And, and there's so much debate about the technical aspect of helping or administrating. And, and it's interesting to see how different people look at it. <clears throat> at the end of the day, helping people is a, an amazing gift. And I don't always know how that looks. Some people help other folks by counseling and listening. Some help other folks by going to a hospital. Some are really good at just, you know, greeting folks, you know, and, and helping them that way. Some people, administration, it comes from the word to steer a ship. It's, it's the idea of maybe just providing some guidance and leadership. Sometimes that's needed on a large basis. Sometimes it's on a small basis. Hey, maybe your connect group or your Sunday school class has someone who kind of has it, in that administration that kind of guides that group and where to study, what to go, and how to minister. I mean, that can be seen in so many places. We have people ahead of, uh, heading up Awana. I would say they have that gift. They're, they're in charge of all they want. I mean, you can use that gift in so many places. The bottom line is simply this. Got to have gifted people. And I say this all the time. The staff guys know I say, I, I say this. When God gives you gifted people, you got to use them. Because he may not keep them there if you don't. And so we get people who are gifted. We want to use them. We want to use all of you. Every person who gets connected to our church adds value to our church. Potentially adds value. And so we want to utilize all of that. And here's the thing. I, don't, I can't just decide where all everybody goes. You've got to find your place. Listen, if we were a church that averaged 20, I could pretty much figure out where everybody needed to go. Church that added 100 or so, yeah, probably. <laughs> There's no way either I or everybody on staff can figure out where everybody needs to serve. So you know what we do? We provide you opportunities. And if we're not providing an opportunity, let us know. We'll try to figure something out. But you've got to figure it out. It's your responsibility. My job is to give you the opportunity. It's not my job to make you do it. Not all our apostles are they, of course not. Or prophets, or teachers, or workers of miracles. They don't have gifts of healing, speak with tongues. They don't interpret. 
but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. Now, who is to desire the creative gifts? <clears throat> the church is to desire the greater gifts. He's writing to the church, not just individuals. But might I say, David, man, what is the greater gift? God, I want the greater gift. What's the greater gift? They're all important. As a church, we desire the greater gifts. He's going to talk, when we see next week, about love. That's in that, how it fits in. But as a pastor, I want gifted people to come to our church. And I want to see you. And I pray for that. And I pray we be good stewards of the gifts we're given. And I pray that you be good stewards of the gifts you're given. The, the, the bigger you are as a church, and the more you grow, the more it takes to feed that body. You know, big people eat more than little people, as a rule. When you get to a certain age, I don't eat. Another day, I'm looking, I, I don't, I go order a meal and I'm getting to-go boxes to take, I'm making two meals out of it. I've never done that in my life. I'm like, that guy my size. I used to go, you know, and, and the Whataburger and I'd get two hamburgers, a large fry, uh, a big drink, and then whatever, Debbie, I'd eat half her meal, you know. And now I'm like, you want to split a junior Whataburger? Huh? <laughs> Jeez. But as a rule, the bigger you are, the growing, the growing healthy young men need more and more calories. Man, churches, we need gifted people all the time. We need you to find that place to serve. You may not think it's important. It's all important. From the moment a person drives into our church, and they see from the parking team to the greeters to everybody in the, in the children's area, in the youth area, to the, the tech people, till, till I stand up and preach. Every person is vitally important. And oftentimes, it's my job just not to mess it up by preaching a really lousy sermon. So, that's all I got on this subject. Next week, we'll talk about love chapter, which is oftentimes taken out of context. So, all of you, go figure out what it is you can really do and want to do. And, and everybody else on staff will help you figure that out too.